Captain's Log, Stardate 73701.6. There is renewed vigor aboard the station as Starfleet personnel and Federation citizens are reporting not feeling as isolated. Morale has increased as new forms of recreation have grown over the last few weeks aboard Lone Star Station. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to appreciating the past. Well, welcome back, guys, to another episode of These Are the Voyages. Once again, I'm the captain. I'm Captain Chase McKinney. And uh, anyway, we are, are dealing with some, some superior people today, or people that think they're superior. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Eric, are you, are you one of those people? Like, have you been artificially... I don't know, engineered to be better and smarter and stronger because you need to just get out right now if you are. Um, no, absolutely not better, not faster, not stronger, not smarter. I'm just some normal old human. Just some normal old, old human. Okay. If you say so. I, I do say so. Okay. You know, it might be a deeply kept secret, but... I'm telling you, I'm just a regular old human. Well, I can dig it. Well, guys, um, for those of you that um, have been around for more than a minute, uh, you know, when we when this show first started, uh, I said that I wanted to talk about like some history of of the future. I want to talk about the history of the Federation and things like that. Uh, apart from just talking about movies and episodes and you know things of that nature. And uh, that's what we're going to be doing today. So we're going to take take our first uh, dive, I guess, into the history of the future uh, with with Star Trek and some of the lore of Star Trek, um, the history of the Federation, things that contributed to its its forming. And you know, we're we're certainly going to talk eventually about like the founding of the Federation, of course. Uh, and we'll we get a sneak peek of that uh, in the series finale of Enterprise, of course. Uh, but but before we even get to that point, before we even talk about first contact that happened April the 5th, 2063, we're going to go in the Wayback Machine even more, and we're going to talk about like eugenics, the eugenics war. We're going to talk about Khan and some other folks that you guys might not have uh, heard, of before, heard of before. I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard of Khan, for crying out loud. I mean... I would, I would hope you've heard of Khan. I mean, he's, yeah, it's a he's thing. kind of he's kind of famous. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, he's kind of a big deal, and it's and, and by by con, I'm not talking about the thing that's like at coliseums where you dress up. That's a different con, okay? That that's that's C O N. I'm talking about K H A N con, man, like con! like that con. But you know, before we before we do that uh, and and really get into the content of um, today's show. Um, how the heck have you been, man? With uh, with lockdown and this new, you know, quarantine life. It is a strange time we are living in. Like, man, oh man, oh man. I'm still going to work every day, um, because I've got a lot of stuff to do. I feel like I'm busier now than I ever was before. I've been lecturing to empty rooms 
right? My students are like in this meeting, I'm in a room by myself, and here's me lecturing like normal, right? It's kind of awkward lecturing to an empty room. Well, how how does that make you right? feel? <laughs> it it feels very strange, right? It definitely feels very strange cuz I'm like stopping to turn to look and ask a question. What 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 do we do now or what should our strategy be now? And I stop and I turn around and there's no one there. So I'm like, "Oh, well, no one can answer my question." Well, that sucks. It's very weird. I find myself continually just like instead of just like facing the board and writing stuff down, like cuz they can't see me. It's not like audio. They can only see the board. Right. Like so, why am I? Why do I keep turning and looking to the crowd? There's no crowd to turn yeah. and look. Synchronous to. versus asynchronous, man. That's that's where it's at with this learning thing right now. And uh, yeah, like you know, I've I've been working from home since the fall, basically. You know, doing. I've been fortunate to be able to go back and forth, back and forth with with seeing clients. You know, at a, a, tr- at a traditional brick and mortar. You know setting right and then the other time like i'm in my home office doing therapy from you know my computer you know like just kind of doing what we're doing right now like with a like this conferencing bit and anyway it's 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 not as much of a of a shaking up of things for me but now it's starting to impact me a little bit just because of the fact that i can't go out to do a sit down with a client anymore. It has to be strictly online. But you know, this too shall pass. I'm thankful for the tech that we have in the, the day and age that we live, that we can actually pull this nonsense off in a time of nonsense. Yeah, so so you're at home and you're used to being at home, but like now your wife and daughter are there all the time. So there's like other people around. Yeah, there right? is. And you know, it's it's definitely thrown things off because you know tr- truthfully i will I'll, like I'll, I'll work on like schoolwork or i'll you know i'll see my clients you know in the morning or early afternoon and then i usually take i usually like factor in about an hour maybe an hour and a half break for like lunch or just decompressing before my the rest of the day to and i'll watch like star trek or you know austin powers or home improvement i'll watch something you know on one of the streaming you know services that we have and i can't really do that right now uh because i mean my daughter she's watching disney plus it's either frozen frozen 2 toy story 1 through 4 puppy dog pals i mean anything like that and that's okay i mean it's not going to be forever but i mean i guess i could watch it in my office on my laptop but i'd rather watch it on the big screen (laughs) Of course, yeah. But you know, it is what it is, and and this will this will be over before we know it. Um, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Have you seen that? Have you seen? It's a meme, and it says it's like, "Will everyone just stay inside? Pay attention to the directions." I feel like we're all kindergartners who are losing recess time <laughs> because someone couldn't follow directions. I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> that. I like that one. That one's good. Well, and like even with the meetings that I'm I'm in, like working with the students, um, 
like me and this this other professor we're we're talking and we we joke around all the time about like what we're having to deal with now and i came across this other meme i don't know if you've seen this eric or i don't know if you know our listeners have have seen this meme but it's like uh zoom which is what you and i use whenever we're recording um it's like zoom with just the audio on and it's like this person like disheveled hair and like in their pjs and stuff like that and it's like zoom with the camera on and it's like like a they're both puppy dogs but it's like this puppy like with a big old like fro and like wearing shades and like fancy clothes and like yeah that's that's very very accurate very accurate i have not i have not seen that one well there you go so but my my other my other favorite meme or well, i don't know if you know if it's a meme but it's like you know people complain about how their meetings at work yeah. all the time they're like why did this have to be a meeting it could have just been an <laughs> right? email and they're like I, I guess we can figure out which meetings could actually have been emails after all. <laughs> Quite literally, we're we are now in that <laughs> that time where yeah we could we're about to find out. We are about to find out, and the answer is most of them could be yeah. emails. Oh, good grief! I actually saw another since we're talking about memes. So congratulations, welcome to the meme podcast. Um, you were talking about the the quarantine fifteen, I think, on a recent episode of Engage. And um, I saw this image day one of quarantine. It's like just the the image of little Debbie, and then it's like day thirty of quarantine, big Deborah, and it's like a photoshopped little Debbie logo. It's it's great. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good people have all this time on their hands. Like this is a great time for me. You know what? And and you the the listeners can't see this right now, but I'm actually gonna show you the little dog thing that I was telling you about, Eric. So there you go. Help you enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I I like that. So for this will make more sense in the group once I post this. So yeah. Anyways, make sure you come to the group, that you join the group, and then you check out these memes. So you know we're talking about memes right now at the beginning of the show. So you know with all of us being online right now and having to live like online. I mean we are already basically already living online exclusively pretty much um but like what have been some memes that you guys have come across that you guys have really enjoyed or had a good laugh at there's there's actually one that uh my wife showed me that is not appropriate right now that um (laughs) that i can i can i'll i might post in the group i don't know we'll see well i guess since i'm saying it now on the on this podcast i kind of have to put it on the group it'll only be in the group so if you want to see it join the group is it a little nsfw Uh, there's some so for some people there's it's it's language that other people might not appreciate so that's the only reason i say that sure i get it but it's hilarious and i mean i think it's hilarious so yeah, like, I normally think social media is, like, a menace to a society. But in this trying time, I actually think it's helpful. You know, did you have... So let's let's go on the Wayback Machine for just a second since we're talking about the evil that is social media. Did you have MySpace when it was first out? Nope. Okay, man. No, I didn't have MySpace, LiveJournal. 
Nothing okay. like that. So kids, let me tell you about a little something something called MySpace. There was this guy, and he was friends with the whole world. His name was Tom. And uh, anyway, you you, it was like a status symbol if you were in someone's top eight friends. And Tom would always be your number one friend on MySpace. And MySpace is like, it went away real quick once Facebook came on the scene. And now it's like more, it's still around, but it's morphed into something. Yeah. Is it? Is it really? It still is, around? but it's not the same thing as it was in the early two thousands when this first, when it first came out. It's like now now it's like all music and like indie music stuff. And I think I can still find my profile, but I can't log into it. Oh, you got locked out? I think so. I might I might try and get back in just for posterity's sake and just for just for laughs. Yeah, just for funsies, see if I can get back in and go from there. That'd be real well, funny. Let's let's MySpace needs a comeback, guys. Let's yeah, make it happen. Let's take our trip down memory lane. Oh, good grief, good grief, good grief. Well, you know, at the time of you guys listening to this, uh, Star Trek Picard will have had its season finale, and yeah, we are speaking to you from the future, but in the past. It's crazy. Wait, what? I know. It's all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff right now. It's okay. Ah, time travel. The future is the past. The past is tomorrow. Ah, yeah, I guess. Ah, it makes my head hurt. Yeah, just we're just going to get in a little spaceship. We're going to slingshot around the sun, and we'll be good. And we're going to get some whales, and we're going to have a party. It's gonna yeah, be great. and then we're going to bring marine biologists from the past into the future. Yeah, it's going to get very, very weird real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we'll we'll be talking about. Uh, make sure you guys tune in uh, here in just a couple days to listen to our final episode um, of the regular season, right? Of of Star Trek Picard, and like we've said in engage episodes in the past, um, leading up to this, of course, we're going to um, do a retrospective here in just a couple weeks. Eric and I talk about the whole season, and um, fun fact that um, actually just happened just recently. So uh, I guess it doesn't, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but it's kind of cool. Uh, Patrick Stewart announced recently um, that if you use promo code GIFT um, with, a, with CBS All Access, you can get it free for the month of April, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I saw that. You know what else I saw and is really awesome? This Patrick Stewart sonnet a day. Have you been I listening to these? These are amazing. He is yeah. so good. I just I could just listen to him just read poetry all day long. Yeah. Yeah, like, I just go on Instagram. This is where I'm seeing him. I don't know if they're anywhere else, but follow Sir Pat Stew on Instagram and he is reading a sonnet a day and it is glorious. Yeah. And as someone that loves Shakespeare, that took Shakespeare in high school, that you know, one of my bucket list dreams is to be in a couple Shakespearean plays. I personally want to play Iago in the play Othello uh, before I die. Um, I love that play, and I just love Shakespeare. I have the whole, I have the works of Shakespeare on my my bookshelf in the living room. And uh, yeah, I was I was reading um, the 116th uh, sonnet that uh, Patrick Stewart read. I think the first day that he started it, which I think was like. 
Was it Monday or Tuesday? Does that sound yeah, right? I, yeah, Monday sounds right. So, yeah, Monday was the uh, March 23rd, 2020. So, uh, whenever he first started doing that. So, But you know who else? I just came across this, too. You want to, you're talking about, you know, smooth and, you know, relaxing with Patrick. LeVar Burton, my dude. Oh, well, yeah, of course. I mean... Reading Rainbow, and he was all—he—he does a podcast too, doesn't he? Where he, like, just yeah. reads books. Yeah, I just so I feel like a horrible, horrible Trek fan, but I—I I went onto Spotify to to see if it would pop up, and sure enough, it did. And th- that guy has some like production value with like his reading of stuff. Like, I, I listened to the first episode, and I'm like. Man, I should just put this on when I'm trying to go to bed or something. He's not boring, but his voice is just so soothing. So, yeah. Hey, professional actors, you know, and then they've got they've got the money to put into it. Some high quality stuff. Yeah, first episode was back in uh, 2017, so he's been doing this for you know two two and a half years so far. So, if you're interested in in listening to you know, Jordy LaForge, um, if, you're, if you're interested in LeVar Burton reading stories to you, I recommend LeVar Burton Reads. And no, I'm not getting paid to say that. Um, <laughs> Wait, but, you guys are getting paid? Uh, no. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that, that's that other meme, right? Wait, you're getting paid right. this much? I'm only getting paid this much. Wait, you guys are getting paid? <laughs> But it's 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 really good. Um, I mean, just li- I mean, most episodes I think are like 30, 45 minutes on his podcast. So uh, anyway, it's, so it's a tad bit shorter than this one. Just a smidge. Yeah, just a yeah. Smidge. I imagine when we do the full recap for the season one of Picard, buckle in, people. That might be a long one. You know, and <laughs> and if it comes, if it if it becomes. You know, redonkulously long. I promise. You know, I will. I will split it into a two-parter if I need to. I yeah, don't I mean, want. We spent two hours talking about the one episode Nepenthe. Imagine like <laughs> <laughs> how long we could spend talking about all ten episodes. <laughs> we should just limit ourselves to a half hour. Half hour per episode. <laughs> wow, that's gonna be long. Let's that would be long. Like, let's regroup. Let's regroup. And, yeah, and talk I about might that later. I might need to take a break if it's we're in for a five hour one. Guys, we're not gonna do five hours, okay? <laughs> Just no, it's not gonna be that I, long. Actually, I can't promise that. Okay, we are rambling right now, and and some of our listeners are probably like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm turning this crap off right now." So. Anyway, guys, so we are at March 27th. We've been doing this thing for, gosh, like I think five months. I started this uh, October of 2019, so I think that's five months if I'm mathing right. Am I mathing right? Sure. November, December, January, February, March. Hey, 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 five. Yeah, we've been doing this five months. And um, there are a lot of you that have been tuning in from all over the world listening to us making noises with our mouths and I just want to say thank you before we go any further uh, with the show so I see you 
United Kingdom, I, I see you, Tasmania, uh, Norway, uh, Finland, um, Argentina, I see y'all, of course, the United States. Um, so, you know, every for everyone that's been tuning in, wherever the heck you live, New Zealand, Australia, right? Uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart for, you know, whether you listen for a minute or a thousand minutes, thank you uh, for for being loyal to this program and giving us a shot. Um, we are going to, we we're about, we're approaching uh, first contact day uh, here in just a few short days. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for that. We're going to have a little fun with first contact day. And, uh, but before we, before we do that, we got to actually have content prior to that. So um, that's where we're going to talk a little about some history today. Like, like I said, at the beginning of the show. So, um, Eric and I were talking uh, not too terribly long ago about some things, um, some ideas about this history that we wanted to kind of tackle. And I'd wanted to talk about uh, Khan uh, a little bit. I wanted to talk about uh, some other things. And um, Eric had, had actually mentioned um, like a book or so, or a book or two that might be good to kind of wrestle with. And we'll talk about that book here in just a little while. Uh, but with us talking about, you know, eugenics and augments and things like that, I think it's appropriate to kind of just stick with some low hanging fruit for right now as we get going and talk about, generally speaking, some, some characters that we already know fairly well, just to kind of get us into that, that mood. So how's that sound, Eric? Sounds like a plan. So, uh, for most of us, I think the one that we're probably going to know that's going to have, like, the most recognition of them all is going to be Khan. I mean, for crying out loud, it's going to be Khan, and there's only been two appearances of Khan on live-action Trek. Three? Ah, two and a half. (laughs) I mean, there's technically there's three. Uh, Yes... Which I've I've made kind of like a, a weird argument about before. Anyway, but yes, okay. Technically, there are three, but um, of course, I'm thinking Space Seed. I'm thinking Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, and then of course we have spoiler alert: Star Trek Into Darkness. I, uh, all I with think, Khan. I think the statute of limitations on spoilers for Star Trek Into Darkness is passed. You think so? I mean, we're eight years, aren't we? I think that doesn't. 2013. 2012, wasn't it? 13. Wasn't it Wasn't it not 2009, 2012, and 2015? No. The only reason I know that it was uh, 2013 is because my wife and I, we had moved May, of, May 15th, 2013 from our apartment in Midland, Texas to Dallas. And after we had put our stuff in storage, we went that evening to go see the movie in 2013. So yeah, it was 09, 13, and 16. Yeah, you're right. I just looked it up. I thought it was 12 and 15, but it's 13 and 16. I got weird ways of remembering things. It's kind of Well, hey, like that, that's the way to remember things, is it's built around your life events. Shazam. So, all right. So for, for some of our listeners, you first saw Khan in Space Seed. For some of us, like me, I'm just I'm just being honest. 
my first time seeing Khan was in the movie. Yeah. I hadn't watched. That's I had not the first seen. First time that I saw him as well. I had not seen uh, the original series. I hadn't seen Star Trek prior to that, so I didn't really understand some of the references that were made in the the first part of the movie. I didn't realize that there were some plot holes in the beginning of the movie, uh, specifically like with Chekhov and and Khan. Like I never forget the face. Yeah, but but on the whole, that I mean, that's the first time I saw Khan as well. And um, my dad had told me that yeah, Khan is this character from the original series that that Kirk and Khan had had got came to blows, and now this is bringing the character back. Yeah, and seeing Space Seed, like going back and seeing Space Seed after seeing um, Wrath of Khan. It was yes, it was campy, but well, it was the whole, a really the whole, enjo- the whole series is campy. Let's be honest. Yeah, but the episode was a very enjoyable episode. Oh, from, definitely, definitely from original Star Trek. Definitely, I would posit it's well, it's it's not the best episode of the original series, not not by a long shot. I'm, but it's up there. It's a really good, really enjoyable episode. Definitely. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say it's. If it's not in the top five, it's certainly in the top ten for original Star Trek. It's definitely in the top ten, right? I don't think I'd go so far as to put it in the top five, but it's definitely in the top ten. Yeah. Definitely a classic episode that everyone should check out. Yeah. So we we know that uh, from really from the the two those two um, Episodes, those two stories with Khan up to that point. I mean, even even with Into Darkness, I don't want to leave it out completely. But you know, we know that they're from the past on the ship called the Botany Bay, and that they've been augmented. That they're they're superior in multiple multiple ways to just regular old people like Eric and I and all y'all. I don't know, y'all might not be regular old people. Y'all might just be flat out geniuses that are faster stronger and can jump higher than us i don't know yeah but let's talk about let's talk about the idea of augments for a second let's do it because in the original episode space seed we don't have the idea of augments just yet right Mm -hmm. these were not they weren't genetically engineered um dr mccoy bones clearly says that scientists tried to create a better human through selective breeding. Right. Right. It was not genetic engineering at the very beginning. And that changed over time. Right. And like and I think when we're dealing with augments, we're we're certainly looking at you know, we can certainly point to the stories, the the, the three part story in Enterprise like we've talked about in a prior episode as like a hint of that, of a sprinkling of that, to kind of understand like what that's about but also we can look to Bashir as well um, who's the for anyone that might not know or remember Julian Dr. Julian Bashir is the chief medical officer on Star Trek Deep Space Nine for the full seven seasons and one or two maybe three ish stories if I'm not mistaken deal specifically with this 
this identity of of him being augmented and having to hide it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really the first ever mention of augments and genetic engineering, right? We we see in Space Seed it's selective breeding. The idea is not even mentioned in the movie The Wrath of Khan because you're guess you're already just supposed to know who he is. And then we get Dr. Julian Bashir, who always had like an arrogant quality to him. I don't know if you like Dr. Bashir or not. I, I like Do- I like Dr. Bashir. He's a I he's one of my favorite characters. I love everyone from Deep Space Nine. So everyone from Deep Space Nine is one of my favorite characters. <laughs> but he always had this like arrogant quality to him. And then we learn in this episode, it's called Dr. Bashir, I presume. And I think it's in season four? Maybe it's that in sounds season, right. Maybe it's in season five, right? I think it's in season five. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with season five. Okay? You can look it up at home. But um anyway, we learned that um Dr. Bashir as a young child was severely lacking and underdeveloped. And his parents were like afraid of him being left behind. And so they took him, found a mad scientist somewhere, and had him genetically enhanced. Yes. And and basically he had to hide that and keep it a secret his entire life because as a result of the augments and the men like Khan, genetic engineering was banned on Earth. Yes. And Eric, you can you can say I told you so, but yes, it was season 5. See, season so. five, episode sixteen, to be specific. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like it was just prior to the start of the Dominion War. Oh yeah, yeah. And in that story, I think it's that story when his parents are actually on the station and stuff hits the uh, the holographic fan. Uh, you know, the parents are the ones that ultimately have to pay for kind of doing what they did and kind of gets Julian off the hook. Yeah, like, uh, his dad basically agrees to go to prison for, like, two or three years to basically save Dr. Bashir and allow him to continue his career in Starfleet. Although, you were led to believe at that point that his career will be stunted and he'll never be able to really advance past where he already is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and to, to answer your question, like with, with Bashir, I, I think I liked him for a little bit, and then I'm like, okay, I'm done. And then I eventually came back around to liking Julian. I think it was like around, I want to say like it was around the time that Cisco got promoted to captain. And I, I feel like uh, Bashir kind of became less annoying. Well, he, I mean, he kind of evened I mean, out. The first two seasons are basically him pining over Jadzia. Yeah. That's like his storyline. Yeah. <laughs> Which that that could get a little annoying. I totally I totally see that. Yeah. And I, I've said this before, and we're not talking about Deep Space Nine by by any means, but uh, Jadzia was the reason that I kept tuning in for the first few seasons. Like she made she made it the most enjoyable for me. Now, of course, there's Cisco. Okay, I, I love Cisco, but like of the supporting cast, it was it was mainly Jedzia that was saving it for me. So, 
Anyway. Sad face. Sad face. It's okay. I like Deep Space Nine. No, I'm not, no, not no. no, I'm saying sad face for Jadzia. Oh, yeah, that too. That's, yeah, that that's was like, too. there's the tear rolling down my cheek. Yeah. 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 Oh, Jadzia. Like, hey. Let's have a, hold on. Let's have a moment of silence for Jadzia. Okay, we're good. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, but but in this episode, Doctor Bashir, I presume, when um, when this admiral, he basically holographically projects himself onto Deep Space Nine. They have hollow projectors for the first time, and which is pretty cool. Um, what does he say? He says, for every Doctor Bashir who doesn't have who their superior ability didn't breed superior ambition for every person like you who's able to control it there is a con union sing right somebody whose ambition can't be contained and can't be controlled mm-hmm. it's a good quote by that admiral right normally admirals you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't we like to trust admirals we don't they don't really have good words of wisdom but this admiral good quote here yeah, and he's like the first Yeah, like he's like the first admiral that you can actually like you're saying, trust. Like he's not he's not a weirdo, he's not an, a moron. He's he doesn't have like that, that evil streak in him or, or distrusting bit about them like the rest of them do. I think the only other one that I haven't had an issue with is Oh, good grief. Is it Nakamura? Yeah, there's an Admiral Nakamura. I think it's Admiral Nakamura, um, and I th- and it's also the Admiral in the Drumhead. Like I think those are the only other two admirals that I don't have issues with. The rest of them, they can go you know pound pavement for all I care. They can pound yeah. sand for all I care. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you know they're like that's a trope in Star Trek, right? The the rogue admiral. Yeah. That's a and podcast now, episode. The Rogue Admirals. Yeah, and now we have Picard, <laughs> who's an admiral, who's gone rogue, kind of. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. But he's rogue for a good reason. At 94? Yeah, very good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, okay. So, Bashir and Khan, here we go. <laughs> yeah. So there's... Yeah, so we, we've... we've we're leading into this discussion, of course, talking about Khan, and then we have this admiral that's basically trying to compare Bashir to Khan by saying exactly what you just said, Eric, about ambition and just what can taint that so quickly. Right. That's that's the big quote that comes from a lot of these augment storylines with Khan and Bashir and later in Enterprise is that superior ability breeds superior ambition mm-hmm. right and all of these augments typically they think of themselves as better than everyone else and why should humanity not be led by a bre- better breed of human right right now there's you know with with this whole thing there's like with the the eugenics, and I don't want to, you know, jump around too much um, and go off on too many rabbit trails. 
But when it comes to like this whole timeline within Star Trek, it's kind of all over the place. Like that, you you look at different stories of like when something happened, which is it's bound to happen, right? Like you're gonna get it, you might get it off or wrong, like here and there. But you know, like you have the thing with the '90s, which we read about. Then you have have stuff happening around the time of first contact, and then you also have it, you know, in the 2100s or 2200s, and and you're trying to like figure out like what is it when was it because you're, you're yeah. really getting like two or three different time periods of when this is actually happening or not happening yeah like star trek has always had a problem like the original series always had a problem with when exactly did it take place like that was really when it was airing and when it was being made no one really had a good idea gene roddenberry himself didn't even really have a good idea there are several episodes where um somebody says that the Enterprise travels back in time or there's some kind of time issue and they're like, they talk about 200 years and, and Kirk's like, that sounds about right. When it's really, it's we've become known, it's more like 300 years from the time of the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And the very first time we actually get a date for when Star Trek takes place is in The Next Generation the season one finale called The Neutral Zone. Data says, specifically, the year is 2364. Yeah. That's the very first time we ever get a date is the very end of season one of The Next Generation. Yeah, because up to that point, it's just been random numbers with decimals. Right. And we're, we're expected to extrapolate that yeah, but, somehow. But, but I don't even think they had the Stardate system figured out. I don't think it was set back then. It's become standardized now. But I think back at the time, they were just, oh, this is Stardate 103.7. Right. They didn't really know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we've come to settle on what the timeline is you know every every science fiction universe eventually if it goes on long enough develops its own set timeline of events it might take a little while to get there but eventually it'll settle on some uh, dates yeah and so we do eventually get a date for the eugenics wars right 1992 through 1996 i feel like that's eventually what gets settled on yeah, and and that's the uh, I think that's that's part of this challenge that we're kind of you know hanging out in that we're, we're we're kind of wrestling with right now is that even when we look at oh man I don't want to get this episode name wrong uh, futures end where yeah. they go back they yeah. go in the pa- they go back to like. 1996, 97, yeah. Yeah. And it looks like regular old America for us. Yeah, it does. It really looks like regular old America. And there's there's nothing. There's, there's like nothing. no there's not this. So, this is this might I, I don't want to necessarily jump into the book right now, but it's kind of it, we're kind of getting to that point where we're going to have to eventually. There's uh, there's a book that you introduced me to not too long ago, Eric, and that was the rise and fall 
of Khan. And this was a book that came out, or a series of books that came out in the 1990s, I believe, or was well, it early 2000s? It was 2001 and 2002. Two, okay, thank you. So, you know, early 21st century, this comes yeah. out. Like, tur- yeah. turn of the century, this comes out. So, before, before Enterprise had really gotten going, definitely before we get to the season four episode with the augments. Yes. And in this book, we, we, we start to get like some of these these dates, these time frames that we're kind of talking about right now. And apart from like what we'd already been made aware of in in the in the store the you know stories that we'd seen on TV basically. But we also learn and this is like kind of what I'm getting back to like with Voyager is in these books we we find out that you know Khan more or less takes over a good chunk of the planet um, as a leader and we don't really see that um, like because I think there's like two other folks that are kind of like vying for control like I think the the planet's kind of split in thirds pretty much well well if if you go back to space seed they mm-hmm. um, they're doing their research Kirk and and Spock and bones and and Scotty and they say something to the effect of Khan was the absolute ruler of a quarter of the earth. Okay, there we go. Yeah. And and there's not just this book here, this book series, The Rise and Fall of Khan, but there's another book and this is called um is called The Federation, the first 150 years, which was yeah. actually like an official book that was created to like set canon in place and this book came out in 2012 and it describes the world as being broken up into four major superpowers right there was the american empire there was australia new zealand and the pacific islands there was europe and then there was asia through the middle east right called the eastern coalition which was ruled by khan and, which and, we, which we do hear about I'm the econ sure. yeah, in, e- in the first econ. contact. Yeah, uh-huh. I was just about to say that I'm pretty sure when the Borg start shooting from outer space, Lily says, is it the E-Coles attacking us? Mm-hmm. Which is supposed to be this Eastern coalition that was ruled by Khan. Right. So, yeah, we get, we get like, little, little hints of that, and... You know, of course, like we have to, we have to remember that not all Star Trek books are created equal. And what I mean by that is they're not all, only very few, but not all books are going to be considered canon. Most of Star Trek canon is going to be your on-screen stuff with your TV shows and your movies. Yeah, that is correct. Um, and I think that even leads into what you were talking about with like future's end and how maybe it doesn't necessarily fit when they go back to like 96 or 97 and then you hear in this augment story we're gonna we're gonna eventually talk in depth about this augment story i think or at least talk about it flocks at one point says that like 30 million people on earth died during the eugenics wars and that doesn't really fit with 
what we see in the episode Future's End, nor does it fit with the world that was described in this book series that we're going to get into. Right, and that's... And I, I hope we're not confusing you, you guys that are listening, because that's not our intent. We're just... This is stuff that that we wrestle with as, as Star Trek fans. You know, whether you want to take it seriously or not, that's okay. Uh, but well, like, How dare you not take it seriously? I know, dude. I know. It like, is what I've it is. spent 25 years of my life, like, invested <laughs> in this. Like, it is serious to me. <laughs> but, you know, like... That, that's the thing like as as we talk about timeline of this because like yeah we, we can take we can take these these cues of like 1990 something we can take these cues of 20 30 40 50 something right and and try and make sense of it but we got to understand that the material that we're dealing with isn't necessarily canon so that's why it's hard to really settle on stuff so with the book that that you and i read and, and engaged with of course like it's 1990 we know that from from the, the stories the the tv stories we know that but like when data is talking about um like what's on the earth whenever they're going through that temporal anomaly in first contact he's talking about how tiny of a population it is um especially in montana where, where the, this first contact bit's going to happen. And it's all, like, around the conclusion of World War III within the Star Trek universe. And I think that's what some authors, what some of the creators, whenever they're kind of coming up with this stuff, they're kind of, they're trying to place it around World War III now. Yeah, and so, so, yeah, you get the eugenics wars of, like, the 1990s, but then I also think we're settled on this idea of, well, the eugenics wars like caused a bunch of problems and we just had a delayed conflict later on that the eugenics wars was the first part if you will of world war three which takes place they say by the time first contact they say that the world war three had been over for about 10 years right we're about yeah. 10 years after world war three which was an all-out nuclear war which is why the population of the world was devastated, which was a ripe picking for the board to come back in time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think it can be... Uh, I think it can be both time frames. That... I mean, like... This, this is just coming to mind right now. Like, it's one of those, like, instant downloads that I always have whenever you and I are talking. Those are fun. Ooh, I got a thought. I got a thought. <laughs> I can't I control my brain. Gonna, I don't know how this is going to go, but hopefully it comes out good. Well, okay, let's let's think about this, okay? So you and I and most of the listeners, we can vividly remember 9-11. We can remember the aftermath of 9-11. We are still dealing with the aftermath of 9-11 almost 20 years after. Okay? So it is totally within the realm of possibility within this this world of Star Trek this history of the future for this to be the impetus for everything and even 70-ish years later we're still dealing with the ramifications of what happened so oh, it, yeah, can, absolutely. it can it can easily connect in this grand scheme of things of of the of 
what happened, what drove it, and how it's still impacting things in World War Three and First Contact and blah, 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 blah. So. Yeah, I think that is a very well put way to say it. And I think the other thing that I would say is that I know there are people out there that feel like it is their job to go and pick apart continuity. And, ooh, I found a continuity error. Ooh, there's another one. Ooh, there's another one. And just point it out to everyone. Like, don't do that. Don't be that person. Like, there's going to be continuity errors and everything because they're making it up as they go. They didn't plan the whole thing out. Gene Roddenberry didn't plan that Star Trek would be this huge phenomenon, you know, 60 years later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, he just, just he just wanted to create he, a cool space western. Yeah. Yeah. And now you just took the fun out of like my little like gatekeeping, like little nitpicking thing that I have, but I mean it's whatever. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you know. You can still say it. I just want to know. Oh, no, I don't. Okay. Okay, I just need to get this off my chest. I've gotten it off my chest before, but I need to get get it off again. So, we 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 did talk about Into Darkness being the third on-screen story with Khan. So, how did if if the timeline was intact up until about, you know, what 2385 or whatever? Or okay. or even you know, and then it go. Then we reset, but it's safe. Like Enterprise and everything is safe, but it's it's basically the birth of Kirk, where everything you know changes. How did Khan go from being Ricardo Montalban, you know, to being not, and being to Benedict being, Cumberbatch to being British? Yeah. How did he go from being Khan Noonien Singh? Right, and do you know the the um, the significance of the name Singh? Are you familiar with with why he's Khan Noonien Singh? I feel like I know this, but it's escaping me right now. Okay, so so in this in in Star Trek universe, Khan is a Sikh, and I hope I'm saying that right. You are right, a Sikh, which is a a kind of a religious order. Right, a lot of people, um, most of the people are in India that practice Sikh, this Sikhism, and um, Khan is from India. That's where he's from, and the practicers of Sikh, of this Sikh way of life, almost every male who practices Sikh takes the name Singh as their last name. It's a traditional last name that Sikh men take. Interesting. Yeah, so that's why he's Khan Noonien Singh. Okay. Okay, and and if we want to, get, I'll just say this right now, in the book series, The Rise and Fall, his mother, his name is Serena Kaur or Cower. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but that Kaur, Cower, whatever, is the traditional Sikh last name for women, women who practice the follow the way of Sikh take the last name Kaur, Kaur. I don't know however you pronounce it. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I don't remember that, so thank you for enlightening me on that. That's 
that's a very fun little trivia factoid. Yeah, for all and the so, listeners, and it fits right in with how did how did he become British Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No offense to all the UK listeners. No, and, by the and, way. and he's normally a great actor, Benedict. Yeah, I don't care for his role as Khan, but he's he's and everything else, he's fantastic. Yeah, he was a great Smaug. Yeah, he played the voice of Smaug. He did. Yeah. Good old Hobbit movies. Yep. Good old Sherlock. I loved him as Doctor Strange, by the way. Yeah, loved the Doctor, mess out Doctor of Strange is a terrible movie, but he he plays the role well. Yes, he does. Right. Anyway, so so we've talked about uh, we, we've talked briefly, uh, you know, kind of like at a fifty thousand foot view, you know, perspective of of Khan, of Bashir, and we've kind of wrestled with this this timeline of like when things do or don't or kind of do happen in the grand scheme of things. So let's let's kind of talk a little bit about some source material that the listeners may not immediately be aware of that could kind of help them flesh out some of these ideas, the ideas that you and I are kind of working from. Um, re- again, relating to this book that you were you were telling me about. So um, pre-show, uh, pre-show, Eric and I were talking about about this, and uh, I was concerned that. I didn't get the full thing because I, one, I ha- I don't I didn't have time to get to a bookstore. Two, I had plenty of Audible credits, so I just downloaded the audiobook and listened to it. And when I downloaded it, I told Eric how long this thing was when I was listening to it, and I think the first one was like three hours and fifteen minutes, and the second one was like two hours and forty-five minutes or something like that. It was it, in total, these two were. Altogether, up six hours ish, listening. And you were saying, Eric, that the books were like three hundred, four hundred, some odd pages yeah, for like the, one of them. Yeah, the first book is four hundred pages, and the second book is three hundred and thirty pages. So I'm like, how does that translate into just six hours of audiobook? Yeah, because like, I mean, just to compare that, so like that's. You know, six hundred ish pages, six Se- hours. Seven seven hundred pages. Okay, seven hundred pages. That is like that's like Harry Potter and I think like the Goblet of Fire or something like that. Or Order of the Phoenix for the Harry Potter listeners out there. Is so, are those and, Harry Potter books that long? Yeah, once you get past um, Prisoner of Azkaban, which is the third book, they start ramping up in length. Yeah, well, I mean, the movies get longer, too. Yeah. And, yeah, they they get very long. And having listened to the audiobooks, read the books, and seen the movies, you know, just reading, or or just, I'm sorry, just listening to the Harry, those, like, four through seven stories, they're like 13, 14, 15 hours and that's on the short end for those page lengths. So that's what was kind of concerning to me, to be honest with you, about, like, am I getting the full story that you were reading that you actually read? Yeah, that's interesting. I've listened to a lot of audiobooks, and I'll tell you, some of them are pretty long. I, I listened to Battlefield Earth 
the L. Ron Hubbard on audiobook. You know that book is like a thousand pages long or whatever. Oh yeah. The audiobook is like fifty hours. Like, are you kidding me? It just felt like it went on forever and ever and ever. I was like, am I did I really just listen to two days worth of this? Apparently. <laughs> and and you know, and, and y'all listening, I actually asked uh, Eric, I'm like, dude, please get the last book, get the second book for me and just read like the last two or three sentences for me. Yeah, just to make it was correct. (laughs) It was correct. I'm like, well, how about them apples? That's anyway, you know, whether you you prefer to read or listen, and I know this has been a diatribe. Sorry guys, but I mean, do either you can do either and it's going to be the same story. I listened at 1.7 speed and I got through it pretty quickly. So, yeah, but they're a fun read. But, the books are a fun read. Like, don't don't take it seriously. I just said I take it seriously, but don't take it seriously if you don't have to. But and they're just fun, right? It's yeah. entertainment. Star Trek yeah. is meant to be entertaining. Yes. And I was definitely entertained by these books. Yeah, and it, it definitely adds some stuff, uh, for especially for those of you that are curious about like the 60s and the 90s and how this kind of all plays out and and develops this is going to flesh some things out for you and this is going to answer some questions and this is what's informed our discussion today um this is not these two books are not exhaustive uh when it comes to this part of the timeline but like i've I've been saying like a broken record it's really going to help fill in some gaps for you uh with your your trek knowledge and, and understanding yeah, I would agree. So, so we get this in the story. We learn about this guy named Gary Seven, and some some super secret stuff that's going on. Yeah, Gary Seven. So, Gary Seven is really like the character that was lost. Okay, so Gary Seven shows up in an original series episode. It's called Assignment Earth. It's the season two finale. And the Enterprise time warps back in time, like, on purpose. It's not an accident. They just, like, treat it casually. Hey, we just traveled back in time because we can. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what happens. They're like, ah, we're just going to travel back in time. Pretty much. Uh-huh. And this episode, Assignment Earth, was supposed to be a pilot episode for a spinoff show. Yeah, it was a backdoor pilot. It was a backdoor pilot for a television show that was going to be called Assignment Earth. And the main character was going to be Gary Seven. But for whatever reason, the show didn't get picked up. And that's okay. I remember watching that, and I was like... I think that would have been an interesting, cool, like, sci-fi James Bond type thing. It, it reminded, In a way, it reminded me of Get Smart a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I can just see a, that. I can definitely see that. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gary Seven. Gary Seven is a human, but he's not a normal human. Gary Seven... He's special. He's very special. Captain's Log, Supplemental. We unexpectedly had a pack-led freighter arrive at the station. 
which temporarily disabled our communication array. Despite this disturbance, the station is fully operational once again, minimizing any disruption it may have caused. Man, we gotta get the, like, the communications array, like, really tweaked or something. Have, by the way, have we identified a chief engineer for the station yet? I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, that's that's slightly problematic. Probably. We probably need to get on that. Are we going to have one chief engineer, or are we going to have a series of chief engineers? I mean, I say we have a main one, and then we just, you know, hire others to be, like, assistant chiefs. That, that works. Because why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Anyway, well, now that we have our our communication array working, our communication systems working again. So, thank goodness we got it fixed real quick. You were you were telling us about Gary 7 and why the devil he is just so dang special. Yeah, Gary 7. Gary 7 is a descendant of a group of humans that were essentially kidnapped from Earth. Maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of years ago. They were taken by an alien race to some faraway planet, and they were bred, selectively bred, to be a better type of human. Which I think is kind of funny. The irony is not lost here, because that was the idea of Khan, originally, is selective breeding to create these supermen. And that's exactly what Gary Seven is. So wait, he's... Is he from Krypton? <laughs> is he from Krypton? Yeah, you well, said Superman. Well, I said Supermen. With, oh. with, with air quotes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so not not from Krypton. Well, uh, well, uh, uh, in the movie Man of Steel, aren't all of the people on Krypton like bred specially to do specific jobs? I believe they are, and the only reason that. And and my buddy Ez could tell me better because he's a huge Superman fan and stuff. And anyway, but the only reason that I'm pretty sure you know Kal-El is able to zip around and fly and you know see people's bones and stuff is because he grew up under a red sun instead of a yellow sun. And yellow sun is what gives him his powers here on Earth. What makes him Superman? Anyway. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not a big Superman fan. Not that I don't like Superman. I just don't know very much about it. Well, there you go. So. So then, Gary Seven was sent back to Earth um, to basically prevent disasters from happening. And not to protect the timeline, because the aliens weren't from the future. He was just, the aliens, like, didn't want things to go wrong on earth so they created this you know new breed of human to go back and protect the earth yeah 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 and so that's who gary seven is and he's got some cool gadgets he's got this little pen thingamajurg that's like like a like a it's not a phaser but it's like uh it like tranquilizes people he like shoots at them and they like go to sleep yeah. And then he can turn it the other way, and it's like a little handheld phone. 
So, in this book, I just got to get this off my chest, and, and some of you others out there that, you know, consume other sci-fi programming, I got to say, like, there was something that was a little distracting for me. Okay. Just a little bit, as I was, you know, going through this audiobook. And that was this thing called Sycorax. Okay. Okay. So, the Sycorax are, I mean, in, in, in a show, a, l- a little tiny show you've probably never heard of called Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> kidding, it's not tiny. But in Doctor Who, um, it's the Christmas special with David Tennant. And it's the Sycorax that come to Earth or threatening Earth and stuff like that. And it's David Tennant's Doctor's first episode. And anyway, so there there are these like kind of warriors of sorts that are threatening the planet. And David Tennant is trying to figure out who he is as the Doctor in this episode. And ultimately prevails. And there's a lot of fun comedy and stuff that happens with it. But that was the thing that I was thinking of, like when they kept saying Sycorax, 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 I kept thinking of Doctor Who and sword fighting and that episode as I was going through this. Well, if that's David Tennant's first episode, then that took place after this book was written. I realize that. And again, this is all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff because my first time hearing Sycorax was in 2005, not 2001 which I'm now hearing in 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> timelines. This is no time to argue about timelines. We, we don't, don't have, have the, the time. time. <laughs> 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 okay. Um. So Gary Seven, he's this really cool, super special alien. And his partner is Roberta Lincoln, who in this first episode, Assignment Earth, she is like, the ditzy blonde secretary. But then eventually, she turns in to be this super awesome spy character who Gary Seven takes under her wing and teaches her the tricks of the spy trade. And it's kind of funny. At least I thought it was. Yeah. And from... I mean, I, I, had to, I went through this pretty quick, but... There, there are certainly some, some funny and interesting moments that happen throughout this, uh, especially as you get towards the end of the first book and, and start moving into the second one with all the high-stakes stuff that happens. Yeah, all whatnot. the high-stakes stuff. Boom. Lots Boom. of lots of death, or potential there, death. There is lots of that, isn't there? Yeah, just, just a tiny bit. Yeah. It is what it is. But um, but yeah, like as we as we go through these stories, you know, we we learn about you know Gary Seven's role and the the band of, of characters that are kind of with him and also against him, and we even get a little bit of Kirk thrown in for good measure. Kirk and Spock for good measure in these stories as well. Yeah, there's this little framing story from the future about how Kirk is like going to this colony where there's the people are genetic breeding and he's doing historical research to try and help him make a decision. Yeah. <sighs> and and we even get a little bit of a space fight towards the end of the second book as well. So uh, gotta gotta have a good 
you know, space fight and some boom boom going off, you know, well, with of, with Star Trek. Of course, you have to have a good space fight, right? Because why not? Why not? It it's never not appropriate, right? That's well, un- until it isn't. Until or it is. Yeah. Until it is. Until it isn't. Until it, it's both. Okay. All right. <laughs> words are hard right now, words, guys. Words are very hard. <laughs> you, you use them, and they just come out, and you don't know if they sound right, but there they are. Yeah. Words are hard. Words are hard. So, you know, it, this is, this, um, I, I don't necessarily want to go through the entire book, because I want folks to enjoy the six hours of listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, this, this is a story that we do learn about, like, um how they came up with a random sleeper spaceship in the nineties, basically. Um, and there it is. And kind of how Khan ended up getting it and being in it and how it, it came up with the name that it did. And, um, which is pretty simple in the grand scheme of things. It's like, look out a window. What do you see? Botany Bay. There we go. At least that's how I understood it going yeah, down, basically. Like, like, I don't. Why does everyone care so much about the name of the ship? Okay, the ship is called Botany Bay. Like, okay, that's what it was called. <laughs> like, I like whatever. Like, that's that's its name. Like, who cares? It, it's a glorified shuttlecraft. It is. It's a glorified shuttlecraft. So. Uh, anyway, there's there's certainly a lot of this that we could talk about and consume and do a lot with. Um, but are there are there any other like specific like highlights or, or noteworthy things that we should talk about with um, like with our listeners as they as they try and get uh, gain greater understanding of this part of the timeline? Yeah, there, there are some things. I just want to... I don't want to go into all the details because if you want to read this, I don't want to spoil the whole thing or ruin the experience for you. But there are some big key features of this that I want to do to just highlight. Sure. Okay. So, the eugenics wars has its start and this whole eugenics and augments and we learn of this thing called the Chrysalis Project. Okay, and... The Chrysalis Project was created by this Dr. Serena Kaur, or Cower. I don't know if you were listening to the audiobook how the name was pronounced. It was more, I think it was Kaur. Kaur? Okay, we'll go with Kaur. All right, if people out there... Oh, oh no, no, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, Cower. It was Cower. Cower, okay, yeah. Cower. Then we'll go with Cower, okay? So Dr. Serena Cower created this Chrysalis Project as a way of, you know genetic enhancement creating these augments and it was based in India like she had the big chrysalis base right underneath the desert in northern India yes okay and um, Serena Kaur is the mother of Khan Noonien Singh (gasps) she's the mother of Khan Noonien Singh and this book opens in 1974, and we have Little Khan. 
Loki is just four years old. He's a little con. He's a little con. <laughs> and and one of the things that this book does, this whole book series, is it paints the eugenics wars not as like a full out war, but more of like a shadow war of like skirmishes that are happening behind the scenes by people like trying to take control and they're not in open warfare but they have little battles here and there and I love the way that this book the author really took his time to do a lot of historical research and place these events of the eugenics wars in real things that actually happened in our world Okay, and one of them is um, the the destruction of the chrysalis base, right? Gary Seven somehow manages to blow up the chrysalis base by some kind of nuclear reaction. Mm-hmm. And the book places this event on May 18th, 1974. Okay? And in the back of the book, there's some historical notes. Um, but this is actually a real thing that happened in real life in our world okay on may 18th 1974 the indian military the country of india they performed a nuclear weapons test on this day in northern india this is a real thing that happened okay and it was the first ever nuclear weapons test by somebody the country that was not a member of the UN Security Council. Yeah. Okay, so I just think that's really interesting how the author continues to do this and places the story inside real historical events. And I think that's the thing that that I enjoy regardless of whether it's Star Trek or not is seeing creators whether it's a book, a comic book, a TV show, a movie, whatever. And they drop it, they drop themselves into real contemporary, real modern stuff and have it make it seem like this might could have happened. I mean, regardless, I mean, yes, there's like some far-fetched stuff, right, with with some sci-fi, but like just kind of how they try and connect it. I love, I love it when, when creators will do that. And, and like you pointed out, like they did a great job of this, like, and even like the fact that you point this out, I love. So, uh, just, just a little, you know, tip of the hat to the author on that one. Yeah. And two other instances that I'll, that I'll mention right now. And I might mention a few more. Um, uh, there was, a um, the prime minister of India, Indira Gandhi, was assassinated and after that a riot broke out in in Delhi, India and this is an event that happens in the book that Khan gets caught up in in 1984 and then also later in 1984 there was a chemical leak at a chemical plant in northern India that's a real event it's considered maybe one of the worst industrial disasters that ever happened in our world it's called the Bhopal disaster I hope I'm pronouncing that right the Bhopal mm-hmm. but they say at least 4,000 people were killed possibly 15,000 people died in this gas leak 
and this event that Khan gets, you know, somehow involved in, right? He doesn't cause it. He just gets caught up in it. This is really like a defining moment in Khan's life. And this is one of the moments where he says, I can't let anything like this ever happen again. I have this superior intelligence and ability and I can prevent things like this from happening and I can be the visionary to to lead the world into a better place to guarantee that things never happen like this. Right. And you see that Khan doesn't isn't he's not a bad guy at least at first. Right? You see that he really does want to be this benevolent leader. Right? He doesn't want to be just a ruthless dictator. But he kind of wants to be a good guy, a quote-unquote good guy. Yeah, and and part of how I experienced him was I can see that, and like just like some of the instances, like with like the the bio stuff that was going on, I was like, I know you're getting caught up in that, but this is pretty dang sinister from from my experience. So. He was towing that line very well, I think, between wanting to be a good guy but also acting kind of like a dictator, at least from my perspective. Yeah, Yeah, because there are several points where he gets, like, ticked off, and he's like, launch the super weapon! Press the red button. Yeah, he's literally like, I'm just going to go press this button and to hell with everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot. Well, well, guys, this is, um, again, this is just one of, of many books. Or, or This is a two-volume uh, story, so you need to get both of them to really know the whole thing of what Eric and I are talking about and alluding to. So um, you can get this on, on Amazon. You can, I'm, I don't know if you can get it, like, at a Barnes & Noble anymore because, I mean, even if it is, like, almost 20 years old, I mean, I don't know if... I bought them secondhand online. So, I mean, go to like a half-price books. You can probably get it there without issue. Um, but let's, I guess, like to kind of like put a timeline together of like how to kind of consume this story. I think we've already talked about it, but let's just be deliberate for a second. So we got these two books, which would probably be foundational. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. From there, we probably want to go into the uh, the trilogy episodes of uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like with the the augment storyline where Brent Spiner is, is a uh, special guest star in the series, and then certainly going from there into the original series with. Um, Assignment Earth and Space Seed, of course, and then Wrath of Khan. Yeah, that that pieces together the timeline. So that's going to to kind of help you understand like this these special humans more. And then, of course, if you want to jump into the twenty fourth century, then you can go look at those Deep Space Nine episodes to kind of get like more of a a current air quotes current take on this stuff so 
Uh, Dr. Bashir, Bashir, I presume, is one of them. I think there was like there's yeah. one or two others. Yeah, there, there, there's two episodes here. One is called Statistical Probabilities, and it happens in the middle of season six. And I did want to, I did want to mention this. Okay. Um. So this episode, we see that we've we've learned in season five that Dr. Bashir was genetically enhanced, and his parents went and found a good doctor. And all of his, the experiments on Dr. Bashir were successful. But we learned that not all doctors performing genetic enhancements because this is banned within the Federation, or at least it's banned on Earth. They're not all good doctors, and they don't always do a good job. So we are introduced to this group of four other characters who have been genetically enhanced, but they're somehow failed experiments, right? They're not, they didn't achieve this level that Dr. Bashir had, and they're not able to, like, function in a normal society and blend in the way Dr. Bashir is. Right. And this episode, um, the the therapist, um, psychiatrist, whatever her title is, counselor who's working with the four of them decides to to have Dr. Bashir try and work with them hoping that he will be able to get through to them somehow Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really interesting story because it takes on the notion of you know not everything went well with this genetic alteration Right, and this and this this episode, I think I had mentioned on. Uh, I don't remember if it was a regular episode or if it was something else. Um, it had to have been a regular episode, but this is the one that I was telling you about. That the um, the the character, like one of the characters, is actually the main villain in Power Rangers Turbo, uh, and that was the the character of. Hold on a second, uh, Lauren who's the, the extremely intellectually developed one, but she's the more sexual okay. uh, of, of the group of four. Okay. And she's the one that's usually kind of like sprawled out on yeah, the couch. Yeah, la- laid on the couch, like trying to be all... Seductive. Come hither. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but I like this episode because it shows the other side of what could happen. Mm-hmm. And then in the in the book, in the book series, um, Project Chrysalis, the Chrysalis Project, they also have this other side to them, where they created all these genetically enhanced supermen, right? Like Khan and all the others that he comes into conflict with later on. But they also have, and I want to get the word right, it's called the developmental deviations unit where they themselves have failed experiments and they have a whole ward if you will within their base where they send all of these children who were basically failed experiments right and we get this touching moment where Roberta Lincoln shows up at this DDU and she is like heartbroken by 
all of these kids who she feels like have been experimented on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't there... Okay. I really hope I'm not spazzing out right now. There was a second episode with that group of four augments, wasn't there? There was. There was a second episode. I believe it took place in season seven where one of them impersonates an admiral and he just basically says, that's a dumb question every time someone asks him something and they're like, man, if you're an admiral, you could just say that's a dumb question and people will leave you alone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the name of it is, but it's definitely in season seven. And I think it's the dude that's that's already paranoid that's that's doing that well it's the the older one not the, Is it the old? not the little like like paranoid quippy guy because there's like the seductress come hither one the paranoid guy who talks really fast there's the the older the older guy right and then there's like the woman who doesn't talk at all yeah she's like a mute and stuff Right. Or something. Yeah, or she just chooses not to talk. Right. Yeah, it's in season seven. I can't remember what the name of that episode is. Okay. So, I mean, we we have a lot of good stories. Even, I mean, here's the thing, guys. Even looking at, you know, Memory Alpha, you know, as we're, like, just even talking about the Deep Space Nine episodes, um... It's it's also referring back to Space Seed, Wrath of Khan, and the the three part story on Star Trek Enterprise with Brent Spiner. So these these are all deliberately connected in a roundabout kind of way uh, for for that. So I hope this has been somewhat informational and enlightening to a certain extent. I hope that this make thing makes things a little bit clearer uh, when it comes to this part of Star Trek. Yeah, um, hopefully this is just trying to set down some information. Uh, Star Trek kind of set its timeline, starting at first contact and moving forward. I think everything before that is maybe a little muddled, right? But I think as we start to move forward from this point, hopefully we will get a better concrete picture of the dates that everything is happening. For sure, for sure. So... Uh, anyways, that's that's gonna pretty much be it for this first like kind of history installment that we're doing. I mean, all, all this has been history. I mean, to be to be real with you guys, but this is a, a very intentional take at the history of you know the world of Star Trek, or the history of the future, if you will. And I love the fact that at Star Trek: The Experience, when you go there. Um, you, you're walking into a museum and they flat out call it the history of the future um, starting with you know the chronological stuff like you know as like the, the first contact Zephram Cochran stuff's right there at the beginning so anyways I'm rambling here at the end of the show sorry gang but yeah well well like like I uh Isaac Asimov right I was gonna not say Isaac Asimov is famous for creating his future history series of the Galactic Empire and so like I mentioned this earlier every science fiction universe will at some point try to nail down its own future history yeah and and here we are uh, I mean we're we're 43 
ish years and a couple days away from our own uh, first contact. It'd be kind of cool if we actually could do that. Uh, who knows? I'm I'm not holding my breath. I mean, we got we got the iPad, so we we got yeah, we have we have a lot better technology right now than Kirk had in twenty three sixty seven or twenty in twenty two something. 2267? 2267, yeah. yeah. Like, the iPhone is way more advanced than Kirk's communicator. Yeah. Which, speaking of Captain Kirk, just real quick, um, happy uh, happy birthday to William Shatner and Captain Kirk, who share the same birthday. Um, they just That was just a few short days ago. I think it was on Sunday. Um, so almost a week after um, this episode, or you know, just a few days, basically. It's been five or six days since... His birthday, so um, William Shatner, if you're listening, happy birthday, happy belated birthday. Um, <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's about it, guys. So um, you know, I hope you guys found this informative. We'll do we'll do this sort of thing again. Uh, we recently had um, a Star Trek trivia night in the Facebook group, and uh, the winner of that is going to be picking the future uh, a future episode for us to to do, like a future topic for us to do the the winner okay so commander eric won but he's like no just 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 no i'm, I'm not gonna do that so jenny hay is the winner so jenny um you're the one that gets to choose choose the topic so uh, looking forward to that i will i will smoke all of you fools in star trek trivia <laughs> wow them fighting words there 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 were some tough some tough questions on that though like like what is the borg species number for humans that's an impossible question unless you use google and just you need your google apparently no one no one knows the answer to that (laughs) well we're gonna do more of that fun stuff um on the group uh probably in the next couple weeks we might make it like a twice a month kind of thing especially while this you know stay at home shelter in place type of stuff is going on uh, like we like uh, we said in the most recent um, episode, um, A Light in the Darkness, you guys aren't alone. Uh, Eric and I are here. David, David's here. I mean, we're all here. We got a community that we're building. Join it. Share some funny memes. This is a time to flex your meme muscle. Your meme, not your mean, meme muscle in the group. So uh, get after it. And um, speaking of the group... There are different ways that you can connect with us, and you can do that by uh, connecting with us on all the socials at TRTVPod. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Like I said, we have a Facebook page and a group. Uh, If you found the page, you found the group because there's a button. Just hit it, and boom, there you go. You're in. And uh, a lot of shenanigans in there, pictures, and that's where we're going to do Star Trek trivia. So join the community and get to know some fellow Star Trek fans, and we'll have a good time together. Uh, apart from that, if you want to connect with us, if you want to share your own musings, your own thoughts, your own whatever, when it comes to um, this part of the timeline, whether it's about Khan or Bashir or Gary Seven, whatever, or even if you if you watched original series when it first came out, like kind of what your impressions were when when this backdoor pilot came about like what were you thinking at that time about this new star trek spinoff love to hear about that make sure you open up hailing frequencies um 
and entering coordinates trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode of These Are the Voyages. Now, finally, if you want to send us a letter or some kind of old-school communication, you can do that. Make sure it gets to the Lone Star Station by entering in coordinates P.O. Box 2455 Azle, Texas. That's A-Z-L-E 76098. Guys and gals, Andorians, Tellarites, Vulcans, humans, thank you for tuning in and listening to the show as we ramble about the early, early stuff of Star Trek. And as always, may you boldly go 